0: Alright Andrew,
1: you got a, a spoiler cast theme song for this episode of the spoiler cast. Oh welcome
2: to New York. New York. I wanna wake up in the city that has a giant fog monster that turns out to be the guy who's playing the Flash S Miller, and then you're gonna have to have Stephen Hawking guy come in and he's gonna save you from the guy who played Bullseye, but then it turns out that he's really Captain Jack Sparrow, New York. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we need to do
1: we don't need to do spoilers anymore. <laughs> Fantastic beasts. That was the whole
2: thing.
3: That, that was it. We
1: caught you up. <laughs> oh, yeah. well, welcome. Um, this will be a little interesting since we talked about three movies during the podcast. Uh, we should do spoilers that we feel are pro- appropriate on any of them, but I have a feeling the majority of this spoiler cast is going to be on arrival. So let's finish yeah. there. Let's, yeah, say that let's, okay. for last. It's let's, the best for last. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. So you, you already mentioned a bunch of this stuff in your beautiful <laughs> song for Fantastic Beasts. Yeah. Uh, the main one being that Johnny Depp appears at the end and was apparently there the whole time as Colin Farrell. Uh, Colin Farrell. So... Um, Bullseye. It,
3: I mean, I think it's a cool reveal for you know. Peop, I mean, I knew about the casting. Yeah, and I knew that they. I snuck, I knew they did. Some I had reshoots, no clue. I but, was like Johnny Depp. But get this, like they this was announced on like two months ago. So like this was such a last minute reshoot that they added in that scene whenever they casted Johnny Depp. So I thought it was a cool choice that you know we got to see him. I think it's a interesting reveal. But then again, I love Colin Farrell, but his character was very boring. <laughs> That, yeah, and maybe we can start there. I,
1: I did with Colin Farrell's character, I mean that was supposed to be kind of the big reveal, is that he was uh, tell me, what was he doing? Like what
3: like he, he was almost kind of trying kinda... to get greedis. He he knew that there was a powerful child, he knew there was an obscurist, he didn't know it was greedis or treatis. Okay but how do you say i name? don't know yeah i don't know ezra miller the flash <laughs> yeah ezra miller he didn't know it was ezra miller's character though that was the he thought it was the little girl in the yeah, second and yeah and we
1: were supposed to think that too because for a no, lot of the movie
3: but he was just like pulling a voldemort like hey do this for me do this i'll promise you this yeah. mm-hmm. because no
2: child with this ability has lived past the age of 10 and ezra miller obviously
3: much older than 10
1: yeah
2: and um,
3: that was my biggest problem with this movie, like I said, uh, in the podcast. I said there were some things that they introduced that you're just supposed to kind of nod your head because this is Harry Potter. There's magic. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, the, the history of the obscurist and the whole concept in general just was very muddled and you're just supposed to kind of go. I don't okay, know what, they, I don't know what they could do. I don't know what they were supposed to be.
1: Yeah, it's not it's not very well defined.
3: So when it's separated from the host, which is what Eddie Redmayne had in his suitcase, right, the it has bubble. no power. Had but it then like if the... it's reunited with the host, then it it's powerful and... And destructive, apparently. And it was supposed yeah. to be able to, I guess, um, Colin Farrell's character wanted to harness it somehow. That's all I know.
1: Yeah. It's, and, this is also the—go uh, ahead, finish your, your thought.
3: Oh, yeah, just the last thought is, I guess Grindelwald's whole thing was he just liked to destroy things. Like, he didn't really have a plot or anything, just yeah. he likes to wreak havoc. That's about it.
1: Hey, some men just like to watch the world burn. <laughs> yeah,
3: uh, It's also the second movie
1: in a row uh, where the finale of the movie is putting the world back together after it's been destroyed. Yeah, like, hey, Doctor, 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 Strange. Doctor Strange. I had such Doctor Strange vibes. When yeah. all the wizards were putting New York back together, again,
3: love the effects though.
1: Yeah, no, yeah. that's cool. Absolutely. Um, I don't know that there's much else here really to you know to spoil, other than I would say in the in the podcast I mentioned the other relationship that did work for yeah. me was our comic
3: relief guy and and, in the gr- and
1: the girl that fell in love with him. So yeah. at I, the
3: end, does he remember? I don't think. He, I don't think we're supposed to know, or is he just like kind of have like suggestions in his head that it? I that's it. There I think or that's or where we're supposed to land. But at the same yeah. time, the smile. I don't know.
2: I think you're just know. smiling at the pretty girl
3: that walked in his bakery. I think so.
2: I, I she read his mind but, again. Uh, I so,
1: really felt the loss whenever he uh, when had he had is, to when yeah. he had to walk out into the rain. I thought that was.
3: I mean, how would you feel? That'd be like discovering dinosaurs, then somebody makes you forget about it. Well, I mean, even more than just the the amazing
1: magic stuff that he discovered, just the relationship. Just for him to have to consciously walk back to a place where he had found love. You know, with with somebody and, and discovery happiness. and happiness, and now he has to purposefully erase that yeah. from himself. That's... They,
3: they did it better than Men in Black ever did. That's right, <laughs> with mind erasing.
1: <laughs> uh, I also loved the uh, wands as umbrellas, the umbrella spell. That I thought was that actually was, kind, that of was cool. kind of cool.
2: CGI, yeah.
3: They added a lot of cool wizard stuff that we've never seen before. That I really liked, like the teleporting. We never really got to see a whole lot of that, and then um, the way new like would use some of his beasts to fight and stuff like we Mm -hmm. saw a lot of new cool things um which i really liked i loved the scene where they had to get the
1: i forget i don't know any of these animals names but the the thing that fills whatever space it's in
3: the dragon yeah he's like
1: i need a a bug and a teapot yeah
3: (laughs) that was amazing yeah i loved that scene macgyver ish wizard macgyver slash steve irwin
1: what are some other specific scenes that since we're in spoiler territory you can mention? That my you liked my favorite or didn't scene
3: like? of the movie was um him trying to like court the rhino. the rhino thing. That's the best scene of the yeah. movie. It felt so magical and it was so believable from Eddie Redmayne. Like he really is acting like this animal and doing weird dances. Like and I just smiled the whole time. Like that's easily my favorite scene of yeah. the
2: movie. My favorite scene is the tour of the inside of the suitcase. Yeah. I think, you know, it's just a magical overload, and I just bought every single second of it, where you see all these beautiful creatures and, like, everything they can do. I
3: love that scene. Yep, I agree. Quick nitpick, though, because I am a Potter head a little bit. Um, So you're telling me that he was thrown out of Hogwarts, but he's that powerful of a wizard to create this suitcase that can hold all these beasts? I don't know. I'm not buying
2: it. I think that we're supposed (laughs) to believe that Dumbledore trained him.
3: Like so, after he
2: was thrown after out? After he was thrown out because it said that Dumbledore was the, uh, I guess. Well, he just I, said I guess Dumbledore takes,
3: argued against it. That's all yeah. he said. So
2: is Dumbledore a teacher or is he an actual? Yeah, he's a teacher. The, he was so a professor not the headmaster at the time. Okay. Yeah, he
1: was, just, he was a teacher at the time, apparently. And the okay. only teacher, apparently, that didn't want to see him kicked out. Okay. Something like that, I think. Uh, is in I him. don't know. I don't buy it. All right. Um, I'm willing to buy it because it's magic. Whatever. They have
3: four more movies to convince us of it. <laughs> That's right. There you oh, go. Jeez Louise! I don't want. I don't want them. <laughs> Are you sure we enjoyed this one? I mean, I enjoyed it, but like I said, I want to be like I want completely separate anthology Harry yeah, Potter movies. It'll be interesting. I don't. I'm. I am
1: very firmly and vehemently in the never prejudge a movie camp. Like I, I always want to give the movie a chance until I've seen it. Uh, I'm having an argument with one of my other, uh, you know, movie friends on uh, Twitter about the Beauty and the Beast remake, and he is so vehemently already prejudging the movie because you know he in says, a negative way. Yeah, yeah, because it's unnecessary, and and I totally get that. Like, I get that mm-hmm. we want to see new movies like Arrival and those kind of things. Like, I totally get that. But I really enjoyed the Jungle
3: Book, you know, like I re- like sometimes it's just it'll, it'll work, you know. And, and I hope so. Like, I hope it does, because, I mean, there's only one Harry Potter movie that I don't really like. And that's the fifth one, or, uh, Order of the Phoenix. All the other ones, I love the entire franchise. So, I mean, until they make a bad movie, I'm in, yeah. you know, no matter what they're making.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see for sure. All right, let's move on. Uh, Is there anything about Hacksaw Ridge we really
3: need to talk about? There's really no spoilers for that. I mean, other than
1: other than to talk maybe a little bit more about the court scene, which I thought was one of my favorite scenes, where the father comes in
2: in uh, the Great uh... War uniform. Mm -hmm. Hugo
3: Weaving, like he was just so good. His PTSD, like you really, you really believed it, like that he was just crazy. And then the reasons why Andrew Garfield turned out to be a pacifist, like when they kept showing. Mm-hmm. Clips of that flashback scene. I really like that. You know, it's um just showing how Doss became the way he was. Yeah, I think they yeah. uh, did a really good job with that.
1: Yeah, I did want to specifically mention that scene because I think it's so powerful. And um, yeah. And says a lot about their relationship and I, I just thought all that stuff was genuinely affecting. So
3: And know. I loved uh every time he was, you know, saving one of the privates that like gave him trouble, you know, earlier yeah, and yeah, camp. Yeah. and then they'd kind of have a minute to reflect on that, like, thank you, you weren't the man I thought you were. Yeah, he was like, I loved all of that. Yeah. I loved all of that. And he just he was so humble about it, like, you know, and he just kept doing his thing and man, yeah. This I really scene, hope Andrew Garfield gets nominated, honestly. The scene that I
2: really remember is the uh, credits scene where you actually re- meet the real Dawson,
3: or mm-hmm. the real Dawes. Yeah, that was cool.
2: I I got a little emotional during all that, whenever it was him and then the guy who plays Vince Vaughn mm-hmm. and uh, all that stuff, it really got to me.
1: Yeah, it was cool. It brings it home, you know? It brings it more to reality, even. Mm-hmm. Um, this yeah, is I a, agree.
2: This is a movie that makes you realize how good you have it. Because of people like this. Because yeah. of what men that are fifteen years my younger were brave enough to do. Mm. And it really puts things in perspective.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That was another part of the movie is, you know, technically he was like right on the eight like he was just barely was he even old enough to go to war or yeah. was he it was like- he was
2: he was his He was 17 when his brother joined. Oh, that's what it was. And
1: then he turned 18 and then he enlisted. Got it. Got it. So. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Um. I don't know that we need to go into any more of that. I'm fine. All right. Yeah, not really. All right. Let's get
2: to it. Let's get Woo. to it.
1: Woo. Uh, where do you want to start?
2: Do you want to just go through the whole movie and just synopsis it as we go so through one, it
1: yeah sure one thing i love about this movie is the way it reveals information to you because it puts you in amy adams character's seat basically so that you're
3: revealed information pretty much
1: as she's revealed information yes yeah.
3: um i don't know if you guys had the same thought but the first 10 minutes of the movie i was, did you guys think to yourself I'm getting upped right now. You're getting upped. They are upping us right now. Yeah, yeah. Because those first um, 10, 15 minutes were just heartbreaking. And I was like, okay, so this is what we're in for for this movie. Oh, what a perfect setup. It it was so good. Just um, the way this movie unravels itself, like, throughout Mm -hmm. the entire movie, it's paced incredibly well, at least I think so.
2: So there are big twists in this movie. I just wanted to say real quick, I have seen the movie twice because I wanted to see it again knowing everything. Yeah, The movie... Definitely deserves a second viewing. It actually makes the movie that much better. Sure.
3: That's what I'm excited for. Like, this is one of those movies that's an important rewatch because, you know, like I said, this was such a wonderful theater-going experience, and I'm, like, wondering the second viewing without as much emotional impact like how much am I still gonna love this movie. So I'm really excited to see it again.
1: So they set us up with the death of her child, and obviously we've seen this so many times before where characters are given backstory that influences what they're going to do in their, you know, uh in their journey, you know, and how they're going to grow. And so the movie is perfect in setting us up because and here's the major twist of the movie. And since we're in spoilers, we don't mind saying it. Yeah. It's actually not a flashback. It's, it's, a, it's a, a flash forward to the future. And so, and we learn that through bits and pieces through the movie. uh, And I think the movie, when did you realize that's that a great it was question? A
3: flash See, that's what I say. Like during the podcast, there was a moment that I was starting to doubt this movie. And I was like, is this not going to live up to the hype? And then everything started clicking the moment. All it took was seeing the picture with the parents and the bird again. That's I was what, that like was me. Yeah. That was my point. Yeah, yeah, like, Mom and, and it, dad
2: talked to animals. Mom and that dad talked to animals. That was scene. Everything. Like, oh clicked. my goodness! And I got goosebumps. I goosebumps thinking about it. <laughs> I was like
3: this. I had, I had my mouth covered with my hand because my smile was so big and goofy looking yeah. for how much <laughs> I was enjoying it. Mom and dad talked to animals. That was my moment Whoa. as well. Oh I,
2: man! I had there was a moment before it was the uh, no sums game. Zero sum game. Zero sum
1: game. Yeah. yeah and uh zero some outcome or whatever it was yeah
2: yeah and it was like oh that's cool because at that moment i thought oh man she's she's remembering whenever that yeah. term was used
1: for kid earlier on go ask your dad he's the scientist yeah you know that's like that and stuff then, is there yeah you just you're not necessarily aware yet and know? whenever
2: you watch the movie a second time and you realize all that stuff so um i would just so you guys know, whenever she puts her hand on the glass for the first time, whenever she's talking to Abbott and Costello, Abbott and Costello are the names given to the two <laughs> aliens that come to visit uh-huh. the in that ship, anyway. Yeah, and uh, they were great, the aliens. I loved them, and they didn't do anything. Right. I, this is what I I'm got talking a huge about. emotional connection to Abbott and Costello, but I
1: think that's because again, the film doesn't really yada yada anything. Like, yeah. You get a real sense for the ship, the space of yeah. the ship, how
3: gravity works in the ship, how they communicate, you know See, that was that, another real powerful scene, that introduction of taking them up into the ship for the first time. Mm-hmm. And the then music. Everything, the the oh. score of this movie is gonna win. Best score. Unless I hear some I mean, besides La La Land maybe. Yeah, this, well that'll the be the score different of this movie score, is I think. fantastic. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's really good. But whew, they, throw, they throw that uh light uh, the little, um, mm-hmm. up, and then it just it like rolls along the side of the, and you're like, what is going on? Yeah, and that then just you realize, happened. and then you realize that the gravity changes like right there in the space, yeah. and it's nuts. Oh, it's it's incredible. Yeah. So anyway, so let's let's kind of go through it a little bit more. So okay. we get this what we think is backstory. Turns out that it's actually you know a future. Uh, yeah. that's going to happen or whatever and then in the quote-unquote first contact invasion happens yeah and we see that from the angle of, again if of she's going to class and all she's a, sudden, a cryptographer a ling- yeah. a
2: language specialist
1: and her you know class you know keeps having cell phones ringing or whatever and then they find out oh there's like these ships and stuff is happening if, and,
3: <laughs> that felt so realistic yeah like for an alien invasion movie but like that Feels like what it would be like if this actually happened.
1: And how how like you know much of an academic is she that she goes back to her office the next day? To, yeah, to work.
2: <laughs> and uh, then Forrest Whitaker shows up. Yeah. And here's why I didn't buy his character. I didn't know what accent he was trying to pull off. Every now and then it was Boston, and then it was like <laughs> Southern draw, I didn't even and I'm like Oh, it it I was like what wh- what are you trying to be?
3: And that was my only negative of the entire movie. Now, I, I can agree with that. I feel like they brought Forrest Whitaker in and like didn't give him any direction. And they're like, you know, just do what you usually do. Just do you. And then that's what we got from it.
2: Yeah. But uh, he says, we need to hire a language specialist to try and find out what these aliens are saying. She says, OK, well, I'll go with these. Like, nope, you're not coming with us. We need you to listen to this
3: audio and she's like, I can't do... That's impossible. Can't do that. That scene was ridiculous. Like, that. I have three gripes with this movie, and that brings me to one of them is just, like, if you're going to bring in these specialists, why not trust them to do their job? Because Forrest Wicker's character is literally there just to tell them, I don't buy it. What are you doing? I don't get it. Don't do that.
1: Yeah. yeah. And, and really, it seemed like it was just a test. Like, it was a test. To, like, they were going to several people... And they were going to be like, okay, who can give us the best answer on this? And she lays some trick question on them or whatever about, yeah. you know, what something Sanskrit means in Swabby. Sanskrit for war means. Yeah, Sanskrit or, Sanskrit or whatever. And some unseen second language person is then not chosen because of the way they answered that From question. From Berkeley. Yeah. And uh, so she gets chosen. And then Jeremy Renner's character is a specialist in the sciences, you know, He's kind of the theoretical, theoretical, theoretical physicist, physicist. that kind of thing. And so they're they're there to try to figure out what this first contact is, what is the purpose, the ultimate question, why are you here? Yeah. And uh, so they, they go about their study. And I love how this movie takes us into that ship and to meet those aliens and to get that information in the same way that they are. Yeah. You know, like we are learning with, with them. them. Yes. And I just, I love that throughout this entire movie.
2: The reveal of Abbott and Costello is one of the most chilling moments. It's just just the music them coming out of the fog slowly oh man it was it gets me every single time i think yeah. about it yeah so they're
1: called heptapods is that right they're heptapods. heptapods
2: seven, they have seven, seven, seven tentacle legs and then it turns out you're only seeing half of them
1: right because they have they're a, cut like a off. yeah they almost have like an hourglass yeah. and a, a bigger head up top yeah and uh yeah So it turns out that they do have a written language. And that's the turning point for the communication for them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They weren't figuring anything out by the sound. And so eventually she's like, hey, maybe we should try writing something. Which, by the way, I don't need to be a linguist to know that maybe we should try written communication. Like That didn't seem like that huge of a reveal.
2: Well, it's possible that some species don't have a written language. Technically, humans (laughs) are the only species on planet Earth that have a written language. Well, yes, but we're also
1: the only species for a lot of things. Well,
2: (laughs) uh, that's the point I'm trying to make is, yeah, we're the only species for a lot of things. Yeah. and Think of that. Even though they're an advanced civilization doesn't mean that they convey the same uh, vocal or communicative communicative
3: structure that we do so, so you can't just jump to that conclusion right and what was really cool was something that they revealed which was like the first clue that i got like on how advanced the heptapods were was when she said not only was their written language you know the the word and you know the thought that they're trying to get across it was emotion and it was time in it and then once she says that time is included in their language mm-hmm. that's when another time when things started clicking for me and everything yeah. started making sense yeah
1: yeah, and so they start to learn the language, how to communicate, and it's beautiful because they're taking the second. So everything's a circle for them, you yeah. know, an, an image of a circle, and it's not just a word, it's not just a group of sounds, it's an idea, it's a, you know, it's very similar to, um, you know, some of, uh, you know, the languages like uh, in China or some of the Asian languages, the Mandarin where the, language, yeah. yeah, where the sim the symbols mean more than just a word, it, you know, it's a concept or an idea or a phrase, mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, but in this case, it's everything. It's supposed to convey everything about that moment, that thought or or whatever. And so they're trying to piece them together and figure out what they mean. It leads to a beautiful uh, eventually a beautiful thing where they're saying, what is your purpose? And they say to give you a weapon. And there's yeah. this beautiful thing about, well, do they mean weapon or, or, or tool. Do they mean tool? Because those things are
3: very similar. And, and language and, is known as a and tool. Having, and yeah. I was like, things clicking, and things clicking." Yeah. Like, <laughs>
1: So I really love that.
2: So there comes a time whenever they're uh, doing the uh, the decryption of their language, where Amy Adams walks up and puts her hand on the glass, and then Abbott or Costello, one of the aliens, does the same thing. That is the moment when you start seeing the flashbacks of the little girl. It's that moment because there's the connection between them because they her, say her Ian, and
3: Lu, or Louise and the aliens, yeah, yeah.
2: Louise and the aliens, and uh, that's whenever Ian is like trying to convey human because at this point in time Amy Adams and Jeremy Renner have abandoned their hazmat suits and they're actually start trying to make a more personal interaction with these visitors and uh, that's when all these visions start coming to Amy Adams her dreams start changing she starts dreaming in their language and and yeah you were looking like you were about to
1: say something. well i was just gonna say it's another moment you mentioned taking off the hazmat suits It's another moment to me and maybe this is starting to coalesce around a slight nitpicky negative for me where i'm just like yeah somebody should have done that already like you know it, it's like obviously you've got the bird up there you know the atmosphere is okay yeah mm-hmm. somebody should have tested out without the suit a long time ago yeah, yeah but canary. it just was needed for the movie i can for see why they wouldn't want to risk
3: it though you know because they're still trying to be as realistic as possible because it's like You know, we don't know anything about it. And that was, you know, the question of the whole movie is are they here for, you know, good or are they here for, you know, conflict? And, um, yeah, but but if they, if they have, I guess my thought was if they have created
1: this space for you to come into their space, yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And I mean, if their goal was just to get you up there and, and, you know, gas you to death, that doesn't make any, yeah, that doesn't make any sense. So, you know, I just, I thought that was something that, you know, was like, oh, I get it. It needs to be one of those big movie moments where she takes off her helmet, but,
2: a lot of people were asking, what's the deal with the bird? I'm just, I know we probably all understand what's going on, but for the people who don't, that are listening to this, it's the canary in the coal mine. It's mm-hmm. where they say that they only have enough oxygen for the humans to visit the aliens for about two hours, was it? So the canary, they bring the canary up because once the canary stops chirping, it means that the oxygen is running low and that they need to leave. It's an old thing that miners used to do. They used to take canaries down in coal mines and whenever the uh, and
3: that's what I assumed it was. Yeah.
2: So whenever the bird stops chirping, you know that you're running out of air to breathe.
1: Uh, one of my first thoughts when they communicate because they communicate through their pods, like mm-hmm. through an ink that yeah. kind of develops the, a, the yeah develops a you know the circle and the you know the thing they're communicating. And one of my thoughts with that is, well, that seems like a really inefficient inefficient way to communicate. What's amazing about this movie is efficiency isn't even an issue for them because of the way they exist mm-hmm. outside of time. Yep. That doesn't even mean anything to them. And so it actually does make sense. But, you know, it's kind yeah. of interesting as I was watching and I was like, uh, well, that actually, you know, I was thinking it didn't make sense. And then. The movie knew what it was doing better Mm -hmm. than I did. And and the
3: movie took its time with developing this, too. It's not like, you know, she grasped their language in, you know, five days or something, make it unbelievable. I mean, they make this stretch over like a month and a half, I think, is the time space that we're working with. So, like, they did actually have to go through the steps of, you know, teaching and learning. And I like that they took their time with it, like you said, trusting the audience.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And the whole time this is going on, the whole time they're trying to decipher their language there are uh, media outlets that are like sending like radical ideas out to people like they're here to kill us and they're there's worried about also
3: china and russia yeah,
2: going crazy china and russia are two countries that are on the edge of declaring war on these aliens and china is at the forefront of this whatever china decides to do a whole people bunch of con- a whole yeah. bunch of other countries will file follow suit and do the exact same thing
1: so there's also there's this element of cooperation where the u.s is cooperating with the other sites except for uh china and then russia pull out and, and then, then america panics
3: and, and goes we need to pull out too yeah and then everybody pulls out and, and it's so
1: like... it, it just really it really plays into the theme of what it means to really pursue understanding what it means to really work together uh and all that kind of stuff and i, I thought that was good <laughs> Um, I also really liked as we started heading more towards like that stuff, like the cooperation stuff. Mm -hmm. I loved how the movie is both about communicating with the aliens and communicating with, other humans world. so it's not just about finding understanding with this crazy new race that we're having first contact with it's about finding understanding with other races on our own planet yeah. who we're still trying to figure out the key out and was speak you know
3: sharing information it was yeah. working together like you said and then because people assumed you know are the aliens here to try and tear us apart is mm-hmm. that the angle they're doing so like you said like this question of what are the aliens actual purpose you know they it pasted out so well
1: So we also find out uh, there's an interesting conversation about how and I think this is an actual study uh, that was done about how when you start to really understand another language, it actually changes the chemistry of the way you think in, in different things. And that, you know, there's there's actual changes that happen physiologically in the way you see things. And I think that's kind of the essence of why she then starts to be able to exist outside of time in some ways uh, and so that's as we get down to, you know, the big twist about, the you know, her daughter being in the future is that she is the first human to be able to use this language tool to start to see beyond just the moment she's
3: in. Mm-hmm. And that and the twist kind of brings me to an, one of my other nitpicks I had. And it's um so Jeremy Renner's character. I mean, he didn't really do much. He was just he was there and he was needed for things. And the twist still had an emotional impact on me, but it would have impacted me more if I really bought into it because I never really bought into their chemistry either. Like, he wasn't bad, per no, se, but he was just he was just kind of there. And then what I got from the twist at the end was, like, she was she was never interested in him. Like, all the flirtation came from his character, and she never really reciprocated. So I'm like, are they going to end up together? Like, could he be the dad? So, like, I kind of doubted it. And then when the reveal happened that, he's the father of the Mm -hmm. daughter. And then like they start adding in the other stuff on like why he was gone, why he was separated. I liked all that stuff, but I just would have liked it more if I bought more into the chemistry.
1: Yeah. I bought their chemistry. All right. I didn't, um, I didn't know that the movie was trying to make them a, you know, a a true couple yet. I felt like we were just seeing the initial stages of two people who are getting to know each other Mm -hmm. and appreciate each other and respect each other. As opposed to be romantically involved, I felt like we were on the very early stages of of that. So I, I don't feel like we saw like the real chemistry part of Which what maybe brought they them didn't, together. You know, because I so, mean, they
3: never even kissed in this movie, right? Exactly, like, it never happened. So I feel happened, like, so, yeah, I like, feel like I mean, we were just maybe you're right.
1: Kind of that initial, the initial um, stage.
3: Just something felt a little bit off about it, and like I said, the third act is so satisfying and learning how all that was connected. And I still bought into, it and I still had the emotional impact, but just like it could have been just a a little bit better, but like that's a tiny nitpick.
1: So in order to, uh, to get to the end, she has to convince uh, China and everybody to work together again. And in order to do that, she uses her new time manipulation, future seeing skills to know what the Chinese uh, leaders wife said to him on her deathbed. And the reason is because he tells her that at a future, Conference really hard, and, and all, really hard to explain. It was really hard to explain. It but. makes
3: sense because that would have been the only way he would have believed her on the phone call. Yeah, that she had to make to share the information. So I mean, it makes sense. But at the same time, it was a, it was a little bit of a cop out. I'd say, like, hey, whisper this exact phrase into my ear mm-hmm. for me to recite back. Yeah, but and I here's, understand. And here's why, my cell phone though. number,
1: which yeah. you're seeing for the first time, even though you called it yeah. all those years here's ago. Here's
3: my private number. You have it, and then she was like, "Oh yeah, I do have it." No, all that whole I'll thing take it, though. <laughs> was incredibly
2: difficult to convey. Like we're having difficulty conveying it right now. Yeah. So the fact that Denis Villeneuve was able to do that speaks volumes to his capabilities as a director.
1: And I don't have any problem. I I have talked often uh, on this podcast and in other places about how difficult time travel is for me to buy into because there like, are so many paradoxes yeah. and things like that. This movie, since Twelve Monkeys for me, uh, is the movie that has handled time manipulation the best because
3: yeah, And that's the thing. Like the fact that it wasn't actual time travel in this movie, right. they didn't put that burden on their back. You know, with right. the time manipulation, it's easier it's to do It's time get away. understanding. Yeah. It's not it's not time travel. And this like yeah. nonlinear concept exactly. was and it makes so it makes more sense. And yeah, but time travel is one of those tricky things in movies like to do correctly. Let me ask you this.
1: I'm really curious to hear your answer to this. Do you think she had a choice to uh, to not have her child, like to change things?
3: No, that's what that's what her dilemma was because she knew if she chose not to uh, have the child, like she knew that was going to be an outcome of her sharing the information. So I under I understand. Correct. Would I, that make sense, Andrew?
2: Since the you've way seen I, it twice. The way I took it is. Because she says in the movie at the end that would if you knew the outcome of something would you still want to do it? And she was you know doing the flashbacks about you know her kid getting sick and that her kid in the future was going to die. And she says, "For me, I wouldn't change a thing. You were worth it. You were worth the pain and everything." So for me, I took it as she did have a choice to have the kid. Mm -hmm. That's how I took it.
1: Yeah. Um. And. But what's interesting is this is so hard to explain because we're getting into ideas of free will, predestination, all those all those mm-hmm. kind of things. What's interesting th- is I think you can interpret this movie to say that both things can be true. In that it is both true that it that it's always going to happen that way. Because if it doesn't, you know, then then the paradoxes start. Yeah. So everything is always going to happen the way that it's you know, that you and also you still have free choice.
3: Here, here's my question to you, because I feel like there's two different ways to interpret this as well, you know, on how you're going to take that is. And something I know is from my reaction from other people in the theaters is if you have kids, you know, if you have mm-hmm. that connection and knowing, you know, does that affect you making that choice? Cause I saw at the end of the movie, there was a mom and her daughter and that they were just both sobbing, like yeah. sobbing together. And like, so I was like, okay, they got something a little bit different, like a little so bit deeper. Sure, I don't know if that's like two different interpretations. So, like, how yeah. about you? Like, yeah, Aaron, as a parent,
2: that? did this affect you? Like, really?
1: I haven't had, you know, I haven't lost a child, so that's, you know, that certainly would be an, a whole nother level yeah. of understanding of what's yeah. going on. What's interesting for me is in understanding kind of what the love for a child looks like, which I I always hate saying it because I I, I know it's it's uh, cliche. But I never understood what that was until I had a child. Like, you know, it's yeah. and it's hard to explain. And I always hate saying that because I don't want somebody to feel like, you know, that makes my experience better or anything. Like, it's just it's just I can't explain it. It's I, I never understood what it meant to love somebody like that until I had a child. So I think there is something different there and deeper there. That you can take from it. I will say this. When you step outside of time and you see pain and loss as just part of the overall process, it's no, so, so your kid going through an awful disease and dying is no different than the pain you experience for a woman during childbirth. You know, that's an extreme pain, but it's worth it because on the, you know, you have a child. So when you're outside of time and there's no progression, the pain of losing that child is the same as the pain of having that child because there's no progression of it. And the, you know, the beauty outweighs the pain. So I don't know. It's, I mean, just the fact that we're having this right. conversation <laughs> makes this an amazing movie. Yeah, that's, you know?
3: a, that's what good films do. And that's what a lot of Villeneuve's films do. Like, they are all thinkers. I've only seen uh, four out of his uh, seven films I'm currently catching up. I just watched Prisoners. I watched Enemy. And then uh, Sicario. Like, these are all thinker movies. And, like, he's that's just how good of a director he is, just evoking these emotions and discussions.
2: Yeah, Arrival is my second favorite Villeneuve film. It's my
3: favorite Villeneuve film. Oh, your it's favorite? easily my favorite it, it's Villeneuve my, really. film. Yeah,
2: uh, Prisoners but, is still my number one. Yeah, I'll you love Aaron. Prisoners. I, Prisoners is, my, I think, my fifteenth favorite movie of all time. I That's was a little so bit wild. let down
3: by Prisoners. I liked it. but really? I, was, I was a little bit let down. I was telling Aaron about that yesterday. Yeah. I just watched it a couple days ago.
2: I did too. I showed it to my friend because we just finished watching Arrival, and he's like, "I've never heard of this director." I'm like, "Well, have you watched Prisoners?" He couldn't sit down. Yeah, while you mentioned I was that on
3: your podcast.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, and yeah, I, I, we've had the prisoners conversation before. I, yeah. I don't think it's an awful movie. I just didn't like it the same way that, that you love it. In fact, what, what are the other Villeneuve, uh, movies? Sicario. Which I did like. I liked Sicario.
3: I didn't
2: like Sicario. I
1: don't remember Enemy.
2: Enemy was the Jake Gyllenhaal finding his doppelganger. Sort of movie. Maybe I didn't see it's that so,
3: one. I like that movie a lot. It's pretty good. Like I had to watch it like three different times to really grasp what was going on. So what, on what are the so other good. three Villeneuve films? He has films. one called Polytechnique. It's a uh, French film because he is French and it's uh, shot in Canada. He has uh, one that's called like 32 Days of August or something like that or 23 Days of August. Incendies? And then Incendies is his other one. Mm. So those are the three I haven't seen. And then... Before that we've already listed yeah I've, i think
1: i've just seen sicario and prisoners and uh they're they're both kind of the same experience for me i i didn't see either of them as great films um but they both had moments that i really love if you and... probably
3: have that view you probably won't like enemy i don't okay. think but yeah. i still i'd still recommend checking it out absolutely
1: anything else you wanted to to go into with the you know with arrival just to uh
2: recap My number one film of the year so far, your number one film of the year so far, Aaron, and your
3: third favorite film of the year? Yes, my number three. No, number four. Number number four. four. I lied. Regardless, I think
2: that should speak volumes to how phenomenal this film is and that we can't recommend it enough for people to go and see. It is definitely not a film you can watch in the background. No,
3: and like i said like just it demand the your of attention how much you yeah, want to go back to go revisit it like i want to see it a second time like just to like i said i love the theater experience of this movie and it's the reason you go to the movies yeah
1: it's it is what a movie should be you know it's engaging on so many levels and you know worth revisiting i i just i absolutely loved it so very good yes so that's, that's all we got Woo. Yep, that's all i got how do we finish the spoiler cast we need like a An outro? Like an out. What's the out of the spoiler cast? Spoiled. (laughs) (laughs) You've been spoiled.